The mics are hot, Mitchell. They are <laughs> super hot. Mine is nearly on fire this morning. <laughs> nearly on fire. Then you know it's going to be a good show, right? It's going to be good. It's going to be interesting. It's a nice Monday morning, and we're here with Fieldwork. So let's do it. We are here. Hey, everybody. As Mitchell said, this is the Fieldwork podcast. We like to say that this is a podcast by farmers for farmers. I am Zach Johnson. I farm in West Central Minnesota. Uh, my name is Mitchell Hora. I'm an Iowa farmer. And of course, we have to say thank you to the Walton Family Foundation for all of their support this season. Well, Zach, you know, you and I work in different states, but uh, we do have a couple things in common. A couple things in common, of course, but yeah. like what? You got something in mind? We both farm corn and soybeans. We do both farm corn and soybeans. Another thing that we've got in common, Zach, is we both spend a pretty fair amount of time on tractors. We do, which leads us to our episode today, which I am really excited about because we've actually got Joe Leifer with us, who is directly from John Deere themselves. Joe, just to just to break the ice here, I'm going to let you know that I generally farm with green tractors. Mitchell farms with tractors that match his shirt. Uh-oh. All right. We'll have to focus our conversation with Zach. <laughs> We did just get a John Deere Gator the other day, so well, that's we exciting. actually have a, start. a little bit of green. <laughs> that's a start. So, Joe, you're an engineer with John Deere. You've been there for 17 years, and uh, now you're working on the new AR Autonomous Tractor. So that's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to dig into that. And uh, a tractor that you can drive with your phone? Is that what we're talking here? Tell us about absolutely, it, absolutely. That is that is that is true. Yeah. So, hey, thanks for having me. Right. It's a pleasure pleasure to join you guys this morning, and I'm currently our senior product manager for autonomy at Deer. Um, and so, for the last several years, we've been focused on bringing uh, a fully autonomous system to the field and and ready to go to market. And so, absolutely, right. We're taking our current eight R that that could be parked in in Zach's machine shed along with uh, a current tillage tool equipped with TrueSet. And really, that it's almost autonomous ready for, from there. We add a few more uh, pieces of tech to it, and it's ready to run in the field fully autonomous and then all managed through John Deere Operations Center Mobile. So before we get too deep into the tractor first, <laughs> let's, let's lay some groundwork out here. And, and before we get to that, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Joe, so that we've got your background. Yeah, yeah, no, we'll do. So I grew up in in Southern Illinois, about 45 minutes south of St. Louis, Missouri, on uh, what we'd call call a hobby farm, and just always taking care of animals with with my brother and my parents. And then I went to school uh, and got a mechanical engineering undergrad degree, and and started working from deer from there uh, while I was still uh, you know interning in in uh, college. But then I've been with deer for the last 17 years, been in a variety of assignments, whether it was working with hay and forage products, combines. Um, or really the, the last kind of eight plus years are mostly around our planters and sprayers and then the new technology coming with, uh, with all of those products. Uh, and then most recently, I've been working with our intelligent solutions group along with Blue River Technology, who we acquired in 2017. Um, and together between our tractor product line, um, uh, ISG, Blue River, and, and Tillage, we've been bringing this autonomy product to market. But also maybe then too, just a, a little bit more about myself. Uh, so wife, wife and I are are both uh, dual deer career folks. We've got two little girls, two and a half and, and six months old. And then in 2018, 
we uh, being around farm equipment and farming, right? For for our career, we decided that we should we should also invest and get in the farming uh, business, and so. We've been uh, acquiring a, a few fields and farming with a partner, so we get to go out and and uh, use the use the products, use the tech on our on our own ground, uh, make mistakes on on marketing decisions, and uh, uh, just keep learning learning with the best of them. And with all that, like, are you so you're saying you're planting with a autonomous ADR here in another couple of weeks, or what's happening on, on your farm? <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, I don't get to use the the latest tech, right? So we, my my wife and I have a couple hundred acres, and then we farm with the with the gentleman that that farms just under two thousand, and so you know we're using a, I'll call it a generation of or older of technology, right? So we've got some twenty six thirties and and Starfire three thousands that that uh, that we're using. So uh, I do get to use the the autonomous eight R, um, but it's it's running with cooperators, <laughs> not on our not on our own ground. Uh, is the ADAR, like, can you drive it also plus run it autonomous? Like, can you do it either or, or is it only full autonomy? No, it, it, it's it's either or, right? I mean, the reason we started with uh, with the ADAR, right, is one, one because it was nearly autonomous ready. And, and essentially, right, it's one of our flagship tractors at Deer. But we know tractors, right, are the Swiss Army knife on the farm. They're used for a number of different jobs. Our intention is that we can make more and more in-field jobs fully autonomous, but in the in the short term here, right, you're going to use it in just like you do every day today, right? You're driving it manually, you're doing field work manually, um, but there might be a time where like, hey, I want to hop out of the cab and I got to go do something else. And then that same tractor will be able to be run fully autonomous. So you mentioned that you previously worked with uh, planters and sprayers. How long have you been working on the autonomy side of things? How long has this project been in the works? I've been been on the autonomy side of things for a little over two and a half years. Um, we first put a team together uh, in early 2019 and really got serious about it. Uh, John Deere tractors have been self-driving in the field for for nearly, you know, for over 20 years, I should say. And so we've always had the ability to control the tractor in the field as we've add, added things like auto track turn automation um, and advanced features, even like things with AutoPath that are just coming to market. Um, but we never really had a way to perceive the environment around that tractor, right? It's it's what the human is is doing. They're watching the job. They're watching where the tractor's navigating, and so by by uh, having the ability then with with uh, stereo cameras and computer vision, that really gave us the 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 push to say we could get this product to market. And so in 2019, we started doing some technology and and sensor selection, um, and we're we're out in fields learning and, and going forward from there. So what is a stereo camera and what is computer vision? How does that work? <laughs> yeah, good, good questions. And so we use, we use uh, six pairs of stereo cameras that give us a 360-degree visibility around the tractor and the tillage tool, right, or the job that we're doing. Because we not only want to see where the tractor's going, we also want to understand what's going on behind that tractor because it's out there doing work, right? It's not just going from point A to point B. But a stereo camera is, is essentially like your eyes, right? Uh, you have a left and a right eye, and they work uh, together uh, to really understand the environment around you and provide you context, like depth. And so we use stereo cameras to predict depth. We actually have a novel approach by using uh, machine learning, basically training uh, a left image and a right image from each other, and we can we can very accurately predict depth. As you guys know, right, whether it's in Iowa or in Minnesota, 
You guys have to work next to uh, fence rows, power poles, tree lines all the time, right? And you, you expect the equipment to run close to objects. And so we have to confidently be able to localize things in the field so we can we can navigate the equipment right by it. But then, uh, so that's, that's stereo cameras. But then from a computer vision slash machine learning, so... Uh, that's the term for us to essentially we've been out collecting millions and millions of images across farmer fields all over the U.S., right, from from Texas to, to Minnesota uh, and, and east to west in between. And so we've been labeling those those fields um, to understand environment and context. And our approach to to autonomy at deer was we wanted to train the system to understand what is navigable terrain. Basically, what does a farm field look like? That means, you know, different crop types. That means different soil types, right? Soil colors can be different north to south, east to west. Also, it learned, you know, common things in a farm field. Um, so we, we taught it basically what is the ground, what is tree lines, what is sky. And then anything from there, it assumes is, is a large object. And that's how we can go into a field that we've never seen before, but yet confidently run autonomy as long as we have uh, a field boundary to contain the equipment inside of. And so machine learning is, is our approach to help help give that tractor eyes and, and uh, contextualize the, the environment it's in. So at this point, can the tractor autonomously bring itself to the field? No, it cannot. So there's, as you guys know, right, there's billions and billions of dollars being invested into on-highway autonomy. Deer, deer is not looking to start or lead the way there, right? So we're focused on in-field autonomy. So that means... Mitchell, you're going to have to drive drive the tractor to the field. Um, you'll do some quick setup, right? Of you know, unfold the tool, uh, maybe a little quick quick input on the command center. You know, sixty seconds worth to to get everything ready to go to run autonomy. Um, you'll hit a, a soft key on the display, uh, which puts it into autonomous mode. You'll step out. You'll pull out John Deere Operations Center Mobile, and essentially click on that machine, and you'll see a new autonomy card going forward. And that is how you control it. From there, you can approve approve motion to start and then have the confidence to walk away. And so one of the things, too, that, that we believe, right, that we have to provide with autonomy is a way for, for guys, guys like yourselves to check on the equipment while it's running in the field. So if you go back to your machine shed or, or this is fall tillage, right, you go jump in the combine um, and you want to know how, how the, the tillage job is doing, you can pull up. Uh, Operation Center mobile at any time and click on a live video feed. You can see a, a video feed from any of our six stereo cameras around the tractor to understand, all right, how's the job doing? Is it meeting my expectations? Uh, and then also we're going to give you the ability to make some remote adjustments. Now we're starting super simple with the 2430 chisel plow and we'll, we'll allow you to adjust speed and depth while the job is working. But we're going to qualify more jobs, more tools after that. And just, just think of it as a, as a way to think forward here. Um, we're doing tillage. So if a 2660 vertical tillage tool was next, you think about all of the in-cab true set adjustments that you have on that tool, you'll be able to make those adjustments on, on your cell phone going forward. So you can really control the job while you're doing something else. Well, for me... You know, it won't necessarily have it being going out there and, and doing tillage, but maybe planting cover crop or something like that. And then I think I could like hang out there at the edge of the field and like have a tailgate or something like that and <laughs> grill and just like watch it go back and forth. Like that's probably what I would do. But uh, I don't know. I think that sounds kind of fun, like tailgate and just watch your tractor go back and forth the whole time. 
You that let me know when great. you're going to do that. I'll set up my autonomous tractor. I'll drive down there, and then we can watch what my tractor's doing. We've we've done we've done some demos over the over the past couple of falls of doing almost exactly that. You just pop a tent up at the edge of the field, and you have the tractor working in the background, and it's it's a pretty powerful thing just to to see that that tractor working while you're doing doing something else. I figured deer had already thought of the tailgate idea. It <laughs> doesn't surprise me at all. That's perfect. <laughs> Taking another step further, I guess. Okay, so yeah. you put it into the field. You already have the boundary in there. Am I setting an A-B line or do I just say, hey, do this field and it figures out the best A-B lines and stuff like that for me? Yeah, so first first and foremost, right, we want to make sure we've got an, a very accurate field boundary. And so we're going to require... Um, mobile RTK are better for that field boundary because that's really how we keep the equipment safe and in the field, as well as then we're going to need to make sure for any interior passable boundaries, uh, impassable boundaries, right? Power poles, like we, we're going to ask farmers have, have boundaries around all of those objects that might be in that field um, because it'll allow us to work closely, you know, within three feet of, of those, those known objects in a field. And so that, that's really kind of a, a step one. Now, it's certainly easier to go out and record all those boundaries with that John Deere Gator you just got. But, you know, you could, you could go drive boundaries with the tractor as well to get it, to get it set up. But from there, um, we're going to use, you know, products basically that are already in production are getting stacked together and, and built into a seamless experience uh, that deliver autonomy. So we've got, you know, 20 years of, of auto track and guidance. Um, we've got a product called AutoPath. There'll be enhancements coming out with that, that AutoPath product where basically AutoPath from Boundaries, it'll go ahead and create an optimized uh, guidance path throughout the entire field. Not only doing, you know, straight track AB lines, but it'll also do headlands for you so you can complete the full field. And then if we're doing headlands, right, you guys are probably going to ask the next question is, can you back it up? And so for the first time, right, our AutoTrack product will be able to back up and square up a field corner uh, in, when it's running autonomy. So think about, right, whether it's, it's tillage or maybe something in the future like planting, right? You, you want to get to that, that uh, fence line, square up the, the implement, and then go forward. Um, we're going to have the ability to do that now with AutoTrack because we've got an implement receiver that, that helps give us heading, right? So we're going to have a receiver both on the implement and the tractor, as well as, right, we've got cameras looking looking backwards as well to help give us some context and understand implement angle, things like that. Uh, so how is it going to avoid objects that may be in the field where you don't have a boundary set up? So what we're going to do is, is we've started with, uh, and I'll give you a little more detail and answer the question. Um, we started with a 2430 chisel plow that has 12-inch shank spacing. So we're looking for objects like a rock that could be in a, in a Minnesota farm field that's 12 inches and greater in diameter. And so that's really the, the size of objects that we're, we're looking for as a starting point. Um, because if you see a, a rock that's in the field that, that's 12 inches in diameter, we're going to want to come to a stop. So one, it's, a, it's an unexpected obstacle. Um, so what we'll do is we'll send you a push notification through Operation Center Mobile. We'll send you a picture of that, of that rock as well as give you the opportunity to, to confirm that you want us to route around that rock in the field. And so ultimately what it'll do, it'll, it'll leave a, you know, an untilled area of the field. We're just gonna, you know, right now we're on a 23 foot wide chisel plow. If there was a rock in the center of it, um, we'd essentially just leave a, a 23 foot wide strip by, you know, maybe 150 foot long 
area untilled. We'll just drive around that rock, pick up the track on the other side and, and keep working. And so same thing if it was like a, a roll of drain trot tile from the neighbor's field blew in, you know, we'll stop, we'll alert you, we'll ask for permission to route around it, uh, then we'll keep working. Your other option would be is to say like, yep, just wait. Maybe it's right across from my my uh, uh, machine shed, right where I'm at, or maybe I'm, I'm in the next field with the combine. I just want to go remove that object first. Um, that way I don't have any untilled areas. So you'll have that option as well. Or let's say, you know, it's something unplanned in your field. You're busy. You're at you're at a, a basketball game or a football game. You just want want the machine to shut down. You can you can do that and then come back later and and uh, take care of it. So we're going to give you lots of options. Ultimately, the goal is is how do we keep this machine productive uh, and safe? Yeah. Cause what about even uh, surface inlets and stuff like that? Tw- or is twelve by twelve is kind of the smallest size that it'll go after, or is that because that's what like what it's based off of is the size of the object. Or like something that's completely different color, would that also really kind of trigger it extra if it's a smaller, but like a different colored kind of object? Yeah, so we'll, 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 we'll recognize other things. It's not necessarily like a color of an object. What we've, again, well, the way we've approached this is we've trained it to look for navigable terrain or, or dirt. So anything that, that is out there that doesn't look like dirt starts to, to trigger uh, that it's a potential object. And then ultimately, we look for a certain number of pixels and confidence to understand, hey, something might be in front of us. And that's what then triggers the system to make a request and, and come to a stop. So for example, if a bird flies in front of the tractor, uh, right now it will come to a stop because it's a, it's a large enough object. It's not dirt. Um, and so the system is designed to be safe. It'll come to a stop. And so be, speaking of that, right, you guys have probably farmed around around where maybe you've got some seagulls, you know, following around uh, the, the tractor in the field. You don't want to be notified every time, say, something like that would cause it to stop. So we're doing a couple things. One, you know, we're continuing to collect more images and train on things like birds. So we know not to stop for something that's flying in front of us. But two, also the way we've developed this system is that deer is in the loop. Um, and so they're, they're the first line of defense if, if the machine comes to a stop. So it could be a bird. It could be that it's during the day and we get a weird shadow from a cloud, right, that we thought was an object in the field. And so we'll have the ability to essentially clear those stops. We, we refer to them from a, as, a, as a false positive. The tractor will continue to run in the field, and then you guys would never get note, you know, never be bothered by it. You can focus on on the task that you're doing that's not in the tractor. Um, but at the end of the field, you'll see a full report. You'll get to know everything that that happened from a stops and and you know ultimately the the overall productivity in that field. But what John Deere would never do is make an operational decision for you. So if there's anything you know that's a true positive or a true obstacle out in that field. Might be as simple as a, a plastic bag, right? We stop for plastic bags that from the grocery store or a cardboard box, right? We're going to send you that that information and, and give you uh, options then to, to manage it. Uh, are there people actually watching the cameras able to log in and say, well, that was a cloud shadow. It's not a big deal. There's no one, I'll call it watching it 24-7. But there is, you know, basically we're setting up an autonomy-like call center so that if a stop does come in, they get the the image, they get the analysis from the the onboard machine learning model that we're running on the tractor. And then they they can look at that and analyze the situation in real time. We actually have a couple people that have to agree before they could like say clear clear a false positive or a bird uh, for that example. 
Um, and then and then the tractor would continue continue to do work. So no one's necessarily watching every tractor run. It's only then when uh, when a stop occurs, they get they get a you know something in their queue to work uh, to review that stop. With those couple of different layers and stuff, obviously one of the issues with all this is going to be liability. And it sounds like Deer is directly taking on some of that liability. What you know, how's that going to work? Yeah, yeah. And so so good question. Part part of it. Right, we we're all still kind of working through together, while while we're running in, in autonomous mode, and obviously while deer is making some decisions, right, that that would reflect on on our our liability, right. So as it's running in autonomous mode, is is kind of one set of of liability around that. When you're you know manually driving it to the field or or using it in manual operation like you do today, right, liability will continue to. To look, to look, I'll call it "quote unquote" like it does today. The other thing we're we're having some active conversations with with different insurance companies just to better understand will will uh, say an autonomous farm need need a different type of insurance. And so, so so far we haven't seen anything that that uh, raises any concerns. That's an interesting question there because you know what happens if I send my tractor down the field and walk away and it takes out a power line or the neighbor's dairy barn or whatever. Um, so I want to ask about this, this word that I've been hearing that I don't quite understand, but what, what is a geofence? Is that something that you can explain that will help some of that? So, so, I mean, a geofence is just another way to say field boundary. So, so, you know, from a farmer standpoint, right, we're used to just calling them boundaries. As we've talked to some of the different tech media, we've we've referenced geofence or or like a uh, uh, invisible fence for for a dog, right? We've talked to some tech media that way just to help them understand. But for 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 us, it's it's the same field boundary, right? That that you might have been using, you know, for the past 15, 20 years. It, the only thing that I would say, note going forward, and, and it's different, is right. We want that to be a mobile RTK or better type boundary, right? So. And legacy boundary off of SF1 or or something, say that the co-op hand drawn, right, that that folks might be using, isn't going to be good enough for autonomy. And so we're really concerned about, uh, or we really want to ensure, right, you you've driven the entire perimeter. Uh, you're not using kind of kind of a snap to close um, on that that last side of it, as well as then you'll see enhancements coming from Deer in the in the next couple months around. Uh, the user experience for creating boundaries. We'll be re- recording in operation center how how you recorded that boundary, right? What signal was used, as well as we'll be surfacing uh, what we call GPS shading or understanding the the strength of your GPS signal as you're recording that that outside boundary. And so the system, um, our our autonomous ADAR is really right. The the star of the show continues to be our our guidance products. Um, that's what keeps it in the field, keeps it running the tracks, doing the job that it's sending to do, right? Auto track turn automation to, to lift and turn at the at the end of the row. Um, and then the the cameras, the stereo cameras are really there just for exception management. And so it's it's looking at the the context of the field around it. Is there anything unexpected in its path? Um, it's also trained to start to look at some job quality and, and machine health aspects. Right. So as you guys step out of the tractor, right, one of the things we do is we're always right looking over our shoulder. Do I have residue bunching in the tillage tool? Do I have a broken, you know, maybe in, on a chisel plow, do I have a broken shank because I hit a subsurface rock? 
Um, so you'll see us start to develop more and more capability around doing automated job quality and machine health monitoring. So this fall, it'll be it'll be you know kind of the MVP, minimum viable product, where we're just looking for for broken standards or shanks, uh, as well as plugging in the tool and any kind of streaking behind the tool. And so if we, we that happens, we'll basically just bring it to a stop and, and alert the farmer. Um, that that there's an issue going on in the field, and then they, they can make some diagnostics from there. We are going to take a quick break right now, and we'll be back after just a bit. What is the timing of you know rolling these out at scale? What is that scale up going to look like, and uh, and how soon can we expect to maybe see one in uh, in our neighborhoods? We started in 2019, right, and we basically ran tens of acres. In 2020, we ran hundreds of acres. Uh, 2021, this past fall, we've ran uh, thousands of acres. And we had three cooperators helping us develop the system in addition to to getting a bunch of other farmers around the the equipment, giving us feedback and and design direction. Um, And so then this fall, fall uh, of 2022, we'll have a limited number of systems available for rent um, on farmers fields. We actually, um, pre-sold those units last fall, right? We, we did a, a demonstration, uh, actually at, uh, in Blue Earth, Minnesota, right? From, from the farm video that you, you saw at our CES reveal of autonomy, but we'll have units in Minnesota, South Dakota for rent. We're actually renting an entire system, meaning an 8R tractor, a chisel plow and all the autonomy components. And so we'll have a limited number this fall. But then from there, right, you can expect to see more autonomy configurations, more tractors, more tools, and ultimately our our geographic footprint start to get larger almost every season. So while this fall, we're going to have a number of customers paying to rent an autonomous 8R with 2430 chisel plow, um, we're already running, doing some spring tillage work with cooperators. That means different tools, different tractors, right? So the engineering team is working to qualify uh, those those next set of tractors and implements that to get them in farmers' hands in 23 in the spring and in the fall. But you'll see us continue to start with, uh, I'll call it our large tractor portfolio, 8Rs, 9Rs. Uh, we'll start with fall tillage, spring tillage, and then we'll look to do, you know, major jobs that the tractor tractor does on the farm. So things like planting and grain cart, right, would would definitely be in scope and what we're talking to growers about of, hey, what is what does an autonomous planter look like? What does an autonomous grain cart look like? Right. We know there's some other products out there in the market already. You know, what's what's the right set of needs to to maybe fully automate that job and remove a human from the cab? Maybe you're you're not entirely allowed to answer this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So personally, ask away. how long do you think it's going to be before I before I would be able to have this tractor on my farm and be able to say, you know, take it to the field, unfold the planter, here's the job you're doing and walk away from it. Yeah, so so from from a planter, we're probably a couple of years out. Um just Obviously, that's a super critical job, right? And we're going to need some some development time there. We're already collecting data uh, on planting, and so the one thing I would I would note too is because this is designed to be a retrofit, right? Late model eight Rs. It'll be designed to retrofit late model nine Rs. I can actually uh, go out and bolt up these camera pods to farmers' tractors today, allow them to just farm like normal and in, in you know manual operation 
but they're helping us then uh, collect data and images off their fields. Uh, so we can qualify not only new geographies and crops, but also new jobs that, that, that uh, you know, they're out in the field doing. So one, that's a huge advantage for, for us from the way we design the system is we can, we don't need to do like a, a special deer effort to go out and get images, right? Once we build some confidence, we're, we're working with partners to get images off of, essentially off of their fleet today. Um, once we, we install some camera pods, but so, so maybe to get a little bit more specific, right? We're in 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 to be specific here. We're in southern Minnesota and uh, and and uh, northern Iowa, uh, uh, southern South Dakota this fall. Um, in 2023, we expect to start expanding the dealer footprint uh, for like spring 23 of of uh, dealers and farmers that have access to some autonomous spring tillage. Same thing, in, and then fall 23, you'll see that footprint continue to get a little bit larger. Right, so so essentially, you'll just see us start growing from southern Minnesota to start take you know going across the the corn and soy belt for where we have uh, offerings in a limited release fashion to to growers and to dealers to use and learn on the, on their farms, and so we we are probably a full a few years off from what deer would traditionally call a start of production, right? If you think about it, we introduced the I'll use the X nine combine as an example. It was fully developed, number of years uh, behind that machine for development, and it was ready to go everywhere across the globe. What Deer is doing a little bit different here going forward with some of these technology products, both with Sea and Spray Ultimate as well as Autonomy, is we want to get the technology out in farmers' hands faster uh, so we can get more feedback on, on the product, right? This is going to be a new way to farm. It's going to take adjustment on, on both from a farmer and from a deer, from a deer dealer as well. Right? There's probably some more digital products, digital tools that'll help you farm better with autonomy. And so the faster that we can all start to learn this together, uh, the more enhancements we can make in the product. So that's why you're seeing us come with, you know, what we've publicly said is 10 to 50 units this fall out in farmers' hands. So you just uh, threw the word retrofit out there, which I had not heard yet in this instance. So you're telling me, essentially, I can purchase the retrofit or a kit to put on yep. one of my existing tractors, I don't have to buy an autonomous tractor. I can make one of my tractors autonomous. Absolutely true, right? And so, I mean, we developed this product from from feedback from guys like yourself, right? Of how do you want to see autonomy come to market? What's the right way to adopt it, right? And a couple clear things popped out uh, as we were doing some early market research. One was start start in the fall, right? Harvest operation is extremely intense from a manpower standpoint. Uh, and start in fall tillage. Um, that's, that's an area where, hey, we know if you're doing fall tillage, generally you're going back out there in the spring, right? So there's an opportunity to, to clean something up if needed and get your eyes on the field. So we heard from farmers start in the fall. Um, we also heard like start with current machine forms and current farming practices. And so that really then led us to, to like, let's design this to be retrofittable. Let's not have you go out and buy a half million dollar, you know, purpose-built piece of machinery that can only do one, one thing. We said, how do we take your, your existing tractor uh, and add tech to it to make it fully, fully autonomous? And that also then led us to, to, like I said, trying to make the step from sitting in the cab and, and running the job. Uh, while you're in the tractor to stepping out of the cab and running it fully autonomous, make it as small as possible. So that's why you see us really use all of our existing precision ag technology that goes into autonomy. 
So it's 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 auto track, right? It's our Starfire receivers. It's AutoPath Operation Center, right? We're using the the existing MTG or the Telmax gateway to communicate between tractor and cloud and cloud to to Operation Center Mobile. And so really, what we're doing is taking all of our precision ag tech, streaming it together into one seamless experience, and allowing you to then you know view cameras and remote make adjustments off your cell phone going forward. So, and I didn't realize that it was retrofitable as well and being able to tack on, which I think is a great idea, but yeah, talk uh, as much as you can about cost and about like what, you know, how, how is that going to work? If you're getting one, you know, from the dealer that's already rigged up to be able to be full autonomous versus getting one on your own, you know, is this going to be crazy expensive for right now? Yeah, good, good question. So, so one, I'll, I'll talk to it uh, uh, in general because we, we haven't released pricing. So what we, at the Consumer Electronics Show in January, we did a reveal of autonomy. And so we haven't released pricing until we get to, you know, full start of production. Um, however, one of the things that if, if you've, you know, you track some of the tech that's used in autonomy today, right, you see different, different approaches for sensors, right? So whether it's uh, mono cameras, single camera, stereo cameras, LIDAR, radar, you know, there's various types of approaches you can take to try and meet or uh, build an autonomous system. We chose stereo cameras because it's a low cost sensor, right? Where if we added like say a LIDAR system, um, you know, that's tens of thousands of dollars, right? To to the cost of this this retrofit kit for that that type of sensor. So for for what we're doing in open field ag, we believe stereo cameras is, is the right approach. Um, it helps us keep the retrofit cost, cost down pretty low. And so, like, let's talk about if you have an existing tractor in your machine shed, you got a late model 8R, you need to add some things to it, like wiring harnesses. Um, you know, actually, maybe too, if, if you think about some of the early days of GPS where we had um, auto track ready, right, or auto track uh, retrofit kits, where you had to add wiring harnesses and say like an, an ATU, right? Um, or you had to add the steering valve or hydraulic steering valve. Um, it's going to be that kind of same thing where you have to add some harnesses. You need, in this case, you need to add uh, redundant braking to your tractor. So it's electric over hydraulic redundant braking. So from a safety standpoint, if the tractor was to loop, lose power, how do we use electric to bring it to a stop in the field? Um, it's some parts that are already d developed and designed in the deer system today because we need it to meet uh, uh, homologation or regulations in Europe. So we were taking a bunch of parts off the off the shelf, right, and, and essentially adding it to this eight R to make it to make it fully autonomous ready. So to give you a better idea, though, in eight hours you could you could roll into your local John Deere dealer. Eight hours later, that tractor could roll out ready to go fully autonomous. So it's a it it is you know the longest takes the longest time is routing wiring harnesses and and installing the the redundant braking, the the front and rear camera pods. It's like six bolts and and four bolts. So that's it's a super quick install to to install those camera pods uh, and hook up hook up the the wiring harnesses and you're ready to go. And so I didn't get and talk cost right. We're thinking you know this is these are in general terms right. It's it's probably depending on what the business model looks like right. It's it's tens of thousands not hundreds of thousands of dollars right. As as we look at what does it take to retrofit the sensors uh, our hardware onto onto your tractor. And who do you think will be the farmers that will be your target market? Who's going to benefit from this? Who, you know, who who needs this technology? Yeah, I mean, that's where to me it gets super exciting. And we start to see uh, requirements coming from, from a lot of different areas. Obviously, right, we've heard from 
from some really large farmers that struggle with manpower um, and they see autonomy as a way to supplement some of the challenge they have is of getting labor onto into rural America and onto farm fields. And so that that's one area. But as we've talked to more and more growers, right, let's say, um, you know, I'll use the example, right, of, of not myself, but but one of my coworkers, right, part time farmer, uh, full time, full time uh, employee off the farm, uh, invest in a lot of the latest tech, right? So Think about having the ability to start a job, an autonomous job in the field, go do your day job, right? And then also come home, move that tractor to the next field, start it, spend time with the family, right? So as a part-time farmer, um, all of a sudden it starts to give you some time back and some flexibility in, in key seasons. Same thing with like, uh, you know, if you're if you're really trying to grow your operation and you're really trying to diversify your income, right? Say you're a seed salesman or or you're doing some agronomy work on the side. Again, freeing freeing yourself up to get out of the tractor cab and go focus on some some different jobs that allow you to to maybe make more money than you can sitting in the seat of the tractor. Um, it really starts to then appeal to a lot of different types of operations, just depending on how you value your time and where you want to spend your time. And so if, if you're looking to get freed up from the from the cab to go do something else, right, that's where autonomy starts to really fit into a lot of different operations. So that makes it for my, for my seat here, right, of as we think about what is the value or pricing around autonomy, We've got a lot of different different value drivers coming at us, depending on, on the operation and what the motivation for that that grower is. So along those same lines, as long as we're kind of on this topic now, yeah. I, I've seen a lot of people commenting about how they're concerned that this may potentially hurt family farms in the long run. Yeah, well, I, I, I'll, maybe I'll give you my personal stance, right? And my personal personal thoughts here first, right? Is so... I'll just use an example, right? We demoed this as a as a pre-sale in November to to a, a number of growers, right? There was one farm farmer that we worked with, the John Deere dealer that we contacted, and he couldn't make it, but his son was really interested in it, right? His son actually, uh, and I don't encourage this, he skipped some college classes. He came to our demo because he was so interested in the tech. He spent a number of hours after the event just just uh, observing the the autonomous tractor run, asking because we had engineers there, developers there, asking a ton of questions, and then he went home and sold his dad that like, hey, we got to get in on this early on uh, to learn about autonomy because this is how I see myself coming back to the farm uh, and and running the operation. So, you know, both per- personally and from some of the experiences I've seen, right. Autonomy, I think, will start to attract a different, different level or different group of folks to the farm field, right? It'll also maybe help attract some younger folks to get to stay and stay with farming and get into farming. And so, for me, I think it starts to open up some doors of how uh, you know you can ultimately improve or change your quality of life and in, in how you spend your time by using autonomy in your operation. So that, therefore, from a family farm standpoint, right? You want to hit you want to hit your your son or daughter's you know sporting event while they're in high school. You want to attract them to stay to the farm and use different technology, right? And let them you know live a, a little bit different lifestyle where they're still connected to the land, but they've got a little bit more freedom and time. And so, to me, I think this helps keep the options open uh, to keep the family farm alive. Yeah, and it's surprising to me that you know it might be halfway as affordable and not. I thought it was going to be really really crazy expensive. That like it would be just way out of the realm of uh, 
the typical farmer being able to maybe, you know, even think about this. So um, definitely makes it a lot more potentially attainable than what I was originally thinking going into this. But one of my, one of my other questions, um, you were talking on like some of the data and training it and stuff like that. Data privacy is also a huge deal. Um, how do we, how are you guys thinking about that? Not only within the farmer data itself, but hackers and like mega, mega issues within, uh, you know, somebody hacking into the system and really screwing things up. How, how are we thinking about that? What one, um, just just like any any data that farmers share with John Deere, right? They're in they're in control of their data. They're in control of of whether or not they want to share it with Deere to use for developmental purposes. So one, you know, as we go out and we've done some data collection on farms, right? We're we're getting agreements with those local growers that we can use images off their farm for developmental purposes. As we as we go forward too, it'll be the same thing, right? As as you you think about adopting autonomy on your farm. Right, the user agreement that comes along with that, right, obviously would have to allow us to be in the loop and reviewing images as as part of that system. Um, but then from a from a I'll call it a cybersecurity or hacker standpoint, you know, John Deere employs a, a full time uh, cybersecurity team, um, and so we're taking this extremely seriously. You know, even even as we rolled out some of the early demos, right, we've gone through through different levels of of cybersecurity checks. Right to even go to the field and run our engineering units, and so as we as we commercialize the product uh, and move towards full production, um, it's something we've got we've got teams just working on that that digital aspect of it to make sure it cannot be hacked. So now we're talking cybersecurity, and I gotta <laughs> ask: I'm sure you've seen the Terminator movies. Absolutely. How do we make sure that these machines don't become smart enough that they become self-aware and they turn on us? <laughs> great, great, great this question. This is a big deal uh-huh. here on the Fieldwork yeah. Podcast. Like, we talk about this a lot. This is not this is not the first time this has come up. We're really worried about this. We know it's going to happen eventually anyway, but, you know, how soon? How, how long do we have to prepare? I, I, I don't think it's going to happen in our lifetime. How about that, right? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't see them becoming self-aware in our lifetime and, and, uh, and, and taking over. <laughs> well, let's hope when it happens that the machines that are doing it don't have John Deere logos on the side of them, huh? That, that's right. And that's right. They, they don't have massive <laughs> pieces of tillage equipment behind them because they, I mean, when those machines come aware... They can really screw some things up in a, in a quick <laughs> amount of time. You you're gonna want it with something a little less aggressive, I think, behind uh, when, when they become self-aware and try to take over. So along those lines, again, do you believe that this technology and and these this tractor and what you're working towards here, do you think this can help make farming safer? I I do, and what we've seen, right, and as we've talked about things, right, and, and you guys know this better than anyone, the the intensity, especially in the spring and the fall, right? The hours that you guys are working, the hours you put on your bodies because you're trying to get the job done in such a tight time window, um, it gets stressful and, and towards, say, the end of planting or the end of harvest, right? You're just kind of exhausted and you might not be making the, the best decisions, at least personally too. I, I know that's how that's how I get when we're, when we're running in season here. And so ultimately, this equipment has the ability to work 24-7 if ground conditions allow it, right? We know not every job can run 24-7 because of, of dew and other things, but the equipment is has the capability to run 24-7. And so whether you want to use it to where you manually drive during the day and then you tag in autonomy for the night shift, right? To allow you to, to improve timeliness, it lets, lets you go home and get a get a nap, get some get a rest in. Um, ultimately, right, our goal is that it takes less stress off of that that operator, that farmer. Um, and allows them to be more alert, 
and obviously focus on higher value added tasks than maybe, you know, sitting in the tractor and, and looking for uh, exceptions and watching where the tractor's driving. So we've talked about a, an array of the different implements and practices and stuff like that that, that it can go and, and uh, you guys think about doing. But I got to ask the sustainable ag questions on what about like cover crop planting, things like that. Um, now, obviously, tillage is the was the direct way to be able to do it because you don't have to refill and uh, it doesn't right. run empty exactly. and stuff. And and we haven't hit on that, you know, being able to run 24-7. Well, at some point, it's still got to refill, you know, diesel fuel and stuff like that. So how, how did those kind of things alert? Or how does, how does that work, I guess, on if it's got to be refilled on fuel or on seed or on cover crop seed or fertilizer or whatever? Like, how are those things going to work? And, uh, and yeah, yeah, how are you guys thinking about cover crop? Yeah, fair. All right, you asked, you asked several questions in, in at once, right? So I, I love it. Um, and I'll, I'll start to unpack it and then right, catch me on anything I missed. Um, but but first, too, of just to be super transparent, right? We started with the 8R, nearly autonomous ready. We started with the 2430 chisel plow because it's got a low frequency of plugging. It's got a you know low, low frequency of any kind of machine health issues, right? It was like one of the easiest jobs we could start with. And we started in soybean stubble. Uh, same thing, you know, less, less residue, less chance to plug the tool. So we we purposely started uh, somewhere that was easy so we could prove it out not only internally to our, ourselves, right, our internal product safety and liability uh, team, also then that we could start really demonstrating some confidence, right, to, to growers. And so we started there. Um, but even, even with an 8R doing tillage, every 10 hours, uh, you, you need to refill that tractor, right, 8 to 10 hours, depending on, on uh, say, maybe how deep you're trying to go. And so we have to build some pro or some features in into the the product that makes filling easier. And so one, obviously, right? You can you can view uh, fuel levels, def levels uh, via Operation Center Mobile today. But then you know maybe Zach's coming by with the with the fuel truck, right? I don't want to wait till it's exactly empty, right? I'm just gonna hit it as I as I come by. We're going to give you the ability to, to say, call that tractor back to the, the start position. Um, basically, the field entrance allows you to fuel it up and then and then resume the work, right? So you'll be able to call the tractor to field edge or say you'll be able to stop it, uh, say, at an end row if you just wanted to pick it up at an end row um, and then fuel it up and then let it resume work. And so those are some of the features that we're building today. I, I feel like, yeah, I feel, I'm just envisioning like when they're refueling jets like on the fly where it's going to be something <laughs> like that, you know, where like your fuel like system is out there and like it has to pull in front of like the tractor that's actually running the full autonomy and it's got like a plug, like quick connect kind of deal to refuel that <laughs> way. Like that's what I think we ought to have. No stopping <laughs> ever. <laughs> well, we're going to start a little simpler. Oh, okay. We're going to start with, with, uh, you know, manually getting the tractor or automatically getting the tractor to the edge of the field and then you manually feeling it up and hit and resume. But so again, we started with with an application that doesn't require, you know, seed, chemical or fertilizer um, because it's just one less thing that we have to monitor. But if you think about it, right, as you move into, you know, just planting or seeding for that example, right? All of a sudden now, like our, if you're running a CCS planter or a central commodity system planter, um, we need to understand how much seed is in those tanks, right? And then we've got to connect that to Operation Center Mobile, um, and we'll build notifications and, and be able to communicate, all right, seed level here. Um, and, then, and then also think about, right, we're going to start to get to a point where we can do, you know, predictive logistics to say, 
hey, the tractor's going to run out of seed here. Do you, do you want to, to, to basically station the tender in this area to, to pick it up and, re, and refill it with seed? Um, so those will be some more advanced products that, that'll be coming as we develop, you know, kind of these, these next iteration of jobs. I, I'm excited for this. This is just like I'm, I'm thinking of all the different jobs that I could get this thing to do throughout the night and how often would I need to <laughs> wake up and go refill or, how, you know, how that's going to work. I mean, to me, it just seems like, especially with this retrofit deal that I was unaware of, I mean, do you think this is going to explode fast, like faster than most people can probably wrap their heads around right now? Is this going to be like cell phones where 20 years ago, you know, 30 years ago, people didn't have the internet. Now, all of a sudden, we have access to everything in our pocket all the time. Yeah, I mean, we we honestly, we're super excited about this technology. And and we do think we will see, a, like, say, a faster adoption curve than, than, than farmers adopted uh, GPS-guided steering, right? And so that's that's an analogy we we think about and we and we talk about right as we think about how fast will farmers adopt this, um, you know first and foremost right we got to make sure we we build a safe product and then we're demonstrating value uh, to growers here as as they get their hands on this in, in fall twenty two and the same thing with twenty three as we get more units out there, uh, but we do believe that that our approach to making it retrofitable. Um, and allowing you to use, say, equipment that's already on your farm will help accelerate adoption. And so that's also one of the reasons we, we took that approach. I would maybe just note, too, then, that um, as you think about from an implement standpoint, we are using, you know, John Deere implements with TrueSet on them from a tillage standpoint. Uh, TrueSet today helps you, you know, control relative depth of that tool, but it also is an is a electronic controller that sits on that implement and gives us feedback. And so that that electronic controller lets us know, hey, how big is this implement, right? What's its physical dimensions? What's it's working with? Um, so then the the tractor and the tool together know exactly the size that that they are. And for then doing path generation or auto path planning, right? We can just ensure that nothing got misentered on the on the command center. And so you'll see us also take that approach where we want to to understand how how and what's going on with that job behind us. You know, obviously we have John Deere planners as we think about grain carts, right? We'll have to figure out how do we qualify. I'll call it third-party implements. John Deere does not make a grain cart. And so you'll see us develop more capability to go broader, but we'll start with Deere implements here in the short term. So maybe, maybe Zach, before you go, right? Uh, um, Mitchell asked about cover crops, right? And so so as we think about it, right? One, I, I would say that that uh, if you do want to do a little bit of tillage, right, a, a 2660 VT with a, with a cover crop seeder is, is one way to do it, right, in the, and I'll call it a quicker term. Um, but again, if, if you're looking to maybe use some type of, uh, you know, air seeder or, or product like that drill, right, you're, you're going to be a few years off just like planting. That's exactly what I was thinking too. Like, well, I mean, you could ring up the, the VT machine to be able to put on the cover crop right there. And retrofit it that way. Yeah, you'd have to get the controls on being able to turn it on, turn it off, and being able to you know keep the weight of the grain tank or whatever it may be. However, we're going to control that. But but yeah, that's where my mind went to as well. Like, well, you could just utilize the vertical tillage tool and be able to blow on cover crop seed that way. So I, I think that would be the easiest way to do it. And probably and again, it's another way to retrofit a piece of equipment that maybe you already have. That's right. Exactly. Joe, do you guys have a an official name for this yet? We, we, we do not. Um, that is, that is something we couldn't get a, alignment on before the consumer electronics show in January. So we just said, 
We're just going to call it the 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 uh, autonomous 8R, John Deere's autonomous 8R, and that's that's what we've been calling it so far publicly. You know, we're trying to get creative, trying to come up with a better name before we we go full to production. So we're open, open to names and ideas that you guys have. All right. Well, we got you here, so we better get it figured out right now. So because you got basically two of the smartest guys in all of agriculture right here. Absolutely. So we, I mean, we (laughs) might as well get it figured out. But I'm thinking like, you know, the field work, you know, the field work autonomous 8R or something like that, or like the field work mega machine or I don't know. Zach, what do you got? Something a little more dangerous sounding. Something oh. with some, like, The Undertaker. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe you go from there. I'm just spitballing. All, all, all ideas are good ideas, so we'll, we'll take it into consideration. Yeah, make sure we get those written down. And, uh, right. and, yeah, when they're ready for the brainstorm session, Zach and I can get lots of other really, really great names. I'm sure. It, so, it, it feels like it'd be appropriate for an autonomy demo and the barbecue then uh, to really get the ideas flowing. That would be good. We can definitely do that. <laughs> well, Zach, it's been uh, been really interesting, and and uh, more more autonomy. And I don't know, Joe's Joe's not thinking that the robots are going to take over the world anytime real soon. But I don't know. I I think it's going to happen sooner rather than later. Perhaps they'll be taking over the fields before the world. Let's let's start with <laughs> one quarter section at a time. Yeah, one quarter section. Keep them in a geofence, and then we'll be fine. <laughs> as long as you don't go in there. If they become self-aware within the geofence, they'll be fine. Yeah, well, you, you got to be careful, though. You don't want to keep them too tight within the geofence because you want free-range autonomous tractors Yeah, yeah, well. free-range yeah, free sure tractors. <laughs> and make sure that they're not in there just, like, banging into the geofence and they're not going to be able to see it. And they're going to be so confused. They're going to be like, why can I not escape? Like, I can see right over there. But nope, the geofence, it's got them. They're locked in, and they're just going to be ramming back and forth and, like, you know, bruising their head, basically. They're just going to be pacing the geofence like the lions do at the zoo, you know, just back and forth <laughs> angrily wanting to get out. Especially if it's like a red one right across the fence and like a green one on the other side of the fence and they're like pacing back and forth like that. So you've oh, been yeah, to the zoo. Wild. Yeah, definitely seen exactly what you're thinking at the zoo. Yeah. That's, that's well, I think before we get too deep, we, we better start to wrap up here. That is going to actually be it for field work today. Um, our show is produced by Todd Melby with lots of great help from Anna Canny. Kristen Schmidt runs our social media and Lauren Humpert is our project coordinator. Thanks to all the technical directors at American Public Media who help us record and mix the show. Be sure to check us out on social media. We are at Fieldwork Talk on all of the usual platforms and channels and we would love it if you would write us a review so that that helps people find us. And uh, don't forget, call us up and uh, talk about the robots taking over the world. With our voicemail, uh, give us a call at 651-228-4810, 651-228-4810. I want to hear that. I want some people to call in, tell us tell us their thoughts on this. Maybe they've seen the tigers at the zoo. I just want to hear their opinions on, on what might happen here. But thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll catch you guys next time. Bye.